0: Welcome to the Cherry Beckert Tax Beat. A conversation about tax that matters.
1: Welcome to this edition of the Cherry Beckert Tax Beat podcast. Today we are talking about financial statement reporting rules and required disclosures of income tax information. Not our usual tax topic for sure. Uh, But the Financial Accounting Standards Board, also called FASB, recently approved rules that will have a significant impact on many companies. FASB hopes that this additional information about companies' taxes will help investors make informed decisions. Uh, Joining in today's conversation is Will Billups, partner and leader of our Tax Provision Services team. How are you doing, Will? Doing
2: well, Brooks. Thank you for letting me join today. I'm a tax partner in the Nashville office and lead the tax provision services team. Excited to provide a little bit of input today.
1: And also join us, Brian Dill, partner and leader of our firm's international tax services team. How are you doing, Brian?
0: Great. Good afternoon, Brooks.
1: Uh, question, real quick question for Will and Brian. Happy or unhappy about Super Bowl champion?
0: Well, I I was delighted because I have an 11-year-old girl, and so we had the Taylor Swift Bowl, and so I had a bunch of girls dancing around, and they could not have been more excited. Now, getting my girl up Monday morning because of overtime was a different story, but we were a happy household. All right. What about you, Will? That's an excellent way to see the
2: Super Bowl, Brian. I am a little bit indifferent being a Titans fan. Yeah. It's either you jump on board with a dynasty or you tend to root against it. I find myself tending to root against those dynasties. Looks like Mahomes and the Chiefs are establishing one similar to Brady and the Pats.
1: Yeah, yeah, Mahomes is considerably more likable than Brady, though. Considerably. All right. On to the business hand. Also joining, as always, uh, Sarah McGregor from Greenville. Ms. McGregor, how's life treating you?
3: Uh, life is good. Um, I am disappointed overall that football season has ended, and it'll be six months before it picks up again in earnest. I know there's some sort of spring football, but we don't count that. Uh, yeah. So.
1: I, I don't count that either. I'm with you. It is a sad day. Sad day when the football season's over. But such is life, right? It's just like the end of tax season. Fortunately, you get to look forward to it coming back around again. All right. So uh, let's do a little background. The FASB sets the rules for information that is included in audited financial statements. Uh, For a number of years, FASB has considered uh, considered changes its rules to require more information about income taxes and financial statements. Uh, This new rule, ASU. 202309 enhanced income tax disclo- enhanced income tax disclosures in the financial statements boy that's a mouthful will require companies to break out tax information into smaller pieces by jurisdiction nonetheless um, this is particularly important and potentially cumbersome for companies with significant operations in multiple international locations so boy uh, I need somebody who actually knows what they're talking about the, uh, to start on this. So, Will, give us a quick overview of ASU 202309 and its effective dates.
2: Thank you, Brooks. From a general perspective, ASU 202309 is really an enhanced expansion disclosure. What this is going to require is additional rate reconciliation, disc- reconciliation disclosures, as well as disaggregation of information. In essence, what they're telling you to do is add a whole lot more of a roadmap to what's going on in your effective tax rate. There's also important pieces of it, too, that are really required for all entities, like income taxes paid. That's never been in the financial statements before. That's going to be a required disclosure now. The new reporting guidance is effective for public business entities for annual periods beginning after December 15th, 2024, and for all entities other than public business entities, the guidance is effective for annual periods beginning after December 15th, 2025. Early adoption is permitted for any annual financial statements that haven't yet been issued or any that have been made available to for issuance.
3: So, Will, you've used a couple of uh, new terms that were in the ASU, uh, public business entity. Apparently, we can't call it a public company anymore. And um, entities other than public business entities instead of private companies. So, uh, what are some of the common, both have different reporting expectations and requirements, but what are some of the common requirements that are in this new ASU that fit both companies?
2: That's exactly right, Sarah. The guidance has replaced the old terminology of public entity with public business entity. I'm not sure what the FASB's direction was with this replacement, as all tend to understand what a public entity is or what a non-public entity is. They just kind of replaced non-public with entities other than public. This is really impactful for everybody from a sense of Income taxes paid are now going to be disclosed in the financials. Private companies, which haven't historically had as much rate reconciliation disclosure, are going to be required to disclose various items related to the continuing operations, disaggregating it by federal, state, and foreign sources. One of the eliminations of the requirement is also the undistributed earnings of subsidiaries and corporate joint ventures is no longer required to disclose the cumulative amount of each type of temporary difference when a deferred tax liability has not been recognized. For public business entities, there's a lot more involved. There are specific rate Reconciliation disclosures that are required now, and then there's a qualitative threshold and disaggregation that's required in addition to these required
3: categories. So that disaggregation threshold um, is roughly a five percent threshold. If something is going to be more than five percent of something, then it is going to have to be separated out. Would that be a a a, a reasonable oversimplification of the of the ASU?
2: That's exactly right, Sarah. So, the new guidance sets a threshold of around 5% of the federal tax on operating income or loss. And again, when we say federal, we really are referring to the national tax. And so, that's the jurisdiction, uh, the home jurisdiction versus a foreign jurisdiction. So, if any of the reconciling items of the same nature equally exceed that 5% threshold, then disaggregation is essentially required.
3: That's, that's going to be a lot uh, to take care of. So what's in this new enhanced footnote that you talking about, this, uh, this new big rate reconciliation table?
2: So the new rate reconciliation disclosures require state and local income tax. They require the foreign tax effects. They require effective changes in tax laws or rates, effective cross-border tax laws, tax credits, changes in valuation allowances, non-taxable or non-deductible items, and changes in unrecognized tax benefits. Those are the minimum required disclosures. Those, in addition to the income taxes paid, as well as the change to the undistributed earnings. So, there's additional guidance that is in our publication related to some of the specific pieces on this and how we would view that. But for the most part, those are the required categories before disaggregation.
3: So, if you get above 5% in one of those categories, you're going to have to start uh, detailing out what's involved there. Is that?
2: That's exactly right, Sarah. So, once it once it equals or exceeds that 5% disaggregation threshold, there's going to be additional disclosure required in your financial statements.
3: That's, that's a pretty low threshold, I would think, for how a lot of companies are operating nowadays.
2: That's correct. I think it's going to be extremely challenging for a lot of companies to comply with this. A lot of companies are starting to go ahead and address this now, which we're seeing a lot of movement in especially the public company space because this is coming very soon. We are assisting several clients with going ahead and formatting this out so that they can understand what this is going to look like and the additional effort and the additional lift that it's going to take to get this into the financial statements. We got to remember This is something that's really usually only on an annual perspective. So companies getting ahead of the curve now is very important and very critical to understanding what's going to be needed at year end.
1: All right, Brian, Will just went through a laundry list. A lot of that laundry list sounds awful like, awful lot like foreign tax, international tax type topics. So talk about some of these requirements and implications from your perspective.
0: Certainly, Brooks. You know, let's start with foreign tax effects and let's do a little shorthand just to get some context for this 5% threshold. So, the corporate statutory rate in the United States is 21%, and 5% of that is 1.05%. So, 1.05% of your pre tax income, if you have something in excess of that, you're going to have to what we call disaggregate or separate it and show it. And so for foreign tax effects, when you have foreign jurisdictions, let's say you pay tax in the UK and that's greater than that 1.05%, you're going to have to separately state that out. What is the tax paid in that particular jurisdiction? So all of those jurisdictions that exceed, you're going to have to break out all that tax paid on top of that particular um, items within those countries that exceed that threshold. Let's say you had a big transaction and you had a lot of non-deductible legal fees. You're going to have to disclose those non-deductible legal fees. What if you had excess compensation paid to some of your executives in some of those foreign jurisdictions? All of a sudden, those are going to be disclosed. So a lot more insight as to what's happening in those foreign jurisdictions and where you're actually paying tax to give a roadmap uh, to the reader of the financial statements. In addition, there's this thing called effect of cross-border tax laws. And really what that means is, we're gonna use the U.S. here as an example, that's the domicile where we're filing, and we have a U.S. parented company. But we're talking about effect of cross-border tax laws are for a lot of companies um, in the international context, your subpart F income that you earn overseas that are subject to US tax immediately, your guilty income. All of that will have to be separately stated and broken out. Giving a roadmap to the reader of your how much of your foreign income is not being deferred, which gives a roadmap to your reader politically how much. Are you actually deferring offshore all of a sudden from a from a book perspective? So you're given that roadmap. One of the things FASB did talk about was wanting to separate out the foreign tax credit. On that, they did um, succumb, and so you are allowed to net those foreign tax credits against your guilty income and not have to separately state that um, from that perspective. Um, I think those are the two big things. Uh, Tax credits, um, since foreign tax credits are not separately stated, truly other types of credits in that particular jurisdiction might have to be separately stated, like R&D credits, your energy credits. Those type of things um, will have to be separately stated if they exceed that threshold.
1: And, Brian, follow-up question. You said, uh, roadmap to the reader, you know, off the top of your head, what concerns do you have about roadmap to the IRS if they see these financial statements? Or, I mean, are they going to be seeing something that they otherwise would have had you know considerable difficult in discovering?
0: I think so. You know, they. I think through computer diagnostics, if you exceed certain thresholds, you know, you're deferring income overseas. Um, are you using you know, tax planning strategies um, to do that. Are you able to defer income offshore? And are you paying less than the 21% rate? I think it's going to give the IRS some roadmaps to tax planning just because the numbers are there to run diagnostics against from a rate perspective. Brian, historically, in my experience,
2: These have all been netted together in a rate reconciliation almost as foreign tax effect or tax credits. So you have foreign tax credits netted with R&D tax credits. This sounds like a very large lift for multinational corporations operating in multiple jurisdictions other than the United States.
0: Oh, well, you know, how did it read before you had the statutory rate, 21 percent? And then in your rate rec, you know, foreign tax effect you know, let's say it was a negative 3%. Well, that could have been an up of 6% because uh, you were working in Germany, but you had negative tax effects because of Ireland or Singapore, or you had offshore income in a tax haven. All of that got netted f- together, right, and had one only one number. Now, this term disaggregation is going to occur, and you're going to be separately stating it if it exceeds that in my, in the 5% threshold or 1.05% of pre-tax income if you're a corporate taxpayer.
2: Brian, I think this also presents a challenge essentially related to, will other jurisdictional governments use this as a roadmap? I think it makes it much clearer for Germany to pull a public company financial statement and say, what is the effective tax rate they're paying in this jurisdiction? Should we be on the lookout for that?
0: Well, That's a great question, Will, and I don't don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but there's a whole other podcast that should really be. And that's really um, pillar two. And what pillar two is and what foreign governments will start to look for is if you are paying below a certain threshold, that magic, what you read in the press, 15 percent tax rate in jurisdictions, The home jurisdiction essentially is going to say, okay, X country, you're paying less than 15 percent now. Back here at home, let's say in Japan, uh, we can have a top off tax in order to bring your overall rate up to 15 percent. So under pillar two, this is going to give governments a roadmap of what the top off tax could potentially be. Um, once Pillar 2 is implemented in some of these jurisdictions.
3: So, Brian, it sounds like there's a lot of challenges here. Um, so if you're a, a U.S.-based financial reporting company and uh, dealing with both parent corporations in other countries and subsidiaries and operating in other space, uh, what, what, are you, what conversations are you having with your affiliates? About these new rules and what kind of information is going to have to be collected very quickly to get financial statements issued. I mean, uh, uh, financial reports issued, and and uh, by the time the 10Ks are due.
0: I, I know Will mentioned 24, 25, but I think right now is the time you start to have those conversations. And the reason is, um, you know, trying to file the financial statements on time and how deferred. The foreign tax returns are so often, sometimes 12, 18 months after the financial statements. um, Are you going to be able to get to the final, I mean, to, to the answer quickly enough? And do you have the systems to do that? Are you going to have to update your accounting systems? I think that's the big question here. And do they have the systems to get that necessary granular data?
1: all right so this has been some excellent discussion let's uh move on to some final comments uh so we'll start with our esteemed guest uh will what what final parting words do you have for us
2: brooks i think my advice to everyone is to get on top of this there is a lot of meat to this and a lot that needs to be modeled out historically multinational companies have had challenges in getting their financial statements out and a lot of that is the challenge of coordinating the multinational operations so my biggest advice is get in front of it now let's start modeling out let's look what it, let's look what this is going to require and what it looks like
1: and and i would highly recommend trying somebody like you, Will, to do that exact exercise. All right, Brian, what do you got for us?
0: I think two two comments we've already covered. I think uh, getting ready for the granularity via disaggregation is number one. I think that is going to be a surprise to people. Um, And I think number two, uh, are you ready for the optics and what they might look like to your readers of the financial
3: statements? Sarah? Uh, yeah, I was going to mention that investors are going to have new information they haven't seen before, and how do they interpret that? I also think it's uh, in this age of of uh, data and mining data and using data, uh, we forget that it still takes a lot of intensive labor to uh, get into the data that you need in order to report information like it's stated, like it's being requested uh, to go into financial statements soon. It's not as simple as just putting another algorithm together. There's a there's there's more involved in that.
1: Okay, thank you. All right. So for my part, I, I mean the more I hear and read about this, the more astonished I, I am about how difficult this is going to be to pull off. And so let's pray for a deferral. <laughs> or at least I mean I'm sure there are gonna be a bunch of people uh, lobbying for a deferral when the time you know when it, when it gets down to it. I mean this is you know, again, the granularity is is, is rather shocking and um, and you know and beyond even modeling, I would dare say a lot of people have just got to have that first meeting and a conversation at least just even you know just starting to understand what this is all about. I mean there, I mean I, I think there's just going to be a huge knowledge gap. Uh, between where we are and where we got to get to, I mean that modeling is you know a couple phases down the road of uh, of trying to comprehend all this. All right. righty, uh, that's a wrap on uh, the discussion on ASU 2309 uh, for today, with special emphasis on the international tax consequences. Thank you for listening in. A quick disclaimer that we are not providing tax advice on this podcast. Please consult with your tax advisor or your tax provision advisor, hopefully at Cherry Beckert. Hopefully, Will Billups at Cherry Beckert with your specific tax issues or to discuss information from today's podcast. Check out the firm's website at CBH.com for the latest guidance materials on this and other tax and business topics this concludes today's podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. We truly appreciate it. Let's call it a day, and go forth in peace.